0: Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com.
1: Stick to one thing and keep working hard and persistent. Those things I can definitely yeah. Not identifying unique ability, identifying your unique ability and focusing on that and then the leverage.
2: Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast.
0: Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of
2: the fluffy stuff. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Rama Krishna. Rama is joining us from Greensboro, North Carolina. He is the founder of Rama Real Estate and Rama Usha Investment Group, which invests in value-add multifamily deals. Rama's portfolio consists of being a GP on 64 units and an LP on over 500 units. Rama, thank you for joining us and how are you today?
1: I'm good. Thank you very much, Ash Patel. It's great to be here. I'm a huge fan of Best Ever podcast and Best Ever brand. Thank you very much.
2: Likewise, we're a big fan of you and your podcast. Glad to have you here. Rama, before we get started, can you give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
1: Sure, absolutely. So uh, basically I'm from in uh, South India and I came to years around 2007. until I was IT professional. I worked like around 15 plus years in IT side and then I started investing into real estate from 2014-15 in Wilson, North Carolina. So mainly I started with a single family, town homes, those kind of stuff. Then started investing in multifamily space as a passive investor, invested as in a couple of days. Then my main goal was, you know, from multifamily space, I want to invest as active GP side. So that's what uh, my main goal. And I started investor passively, then switched to active side. We closed one deal this year as a GP, that is 64 years in Salisbury, North Carolina. And also, right. I do run podcasts like Multifamily
2: AP360. Rama, 15 years in IT, that mirrors my life. I was in IT for 15 years. The whole time you were in IT, did you enjoy it or did you know that there was going to be something better?
1: I didn't enjoy it. I thought always something is better.
2: And did you have side hustles along the way? Did you have other businesses or investments hoping that was going to be your ticket out of IT?
1: Yes. That's how I started investing in the real estate from 2014. I went 10. So, initially I invested in India, but in 2014, I was investing in USA.
2: And the single family homes, were you doing that while you were in IT?
1: Yes.
2: Okay. How did that go?
1: It was good. So, I can say it's a mixed experience and I learned a lot from that. That's how I started in real estate. And that helped me to navigate towards multifamily space.
2: Why did you start investing passively in other people's multifamily deals?
1: Even from multifamily space also, I want to invest actively from starting onwards. So building that credibility and getting deals and convincing brokers is challenging. So then I thought investing in passively and also learn something from no experienced operator, how they are operating, how they are communicating with investors, those kind of stuff.
2: Okay. So that was part of your master plan. Yeah. start out as an LP, learn, establish credibility, establish yourself, and then become a GP. Yes. When did you transition out of your
1: career? Was that 2014? So you mean turning into a regular space full-time?
2: No. When did you leave your IT career?
1: Uh, this year. This April only.
2: 2022. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And you were leading a double life this whole time. IT professional by day, real estate investor by evening, morning, weekends. Yes. yes. What was your goal to leave your job and why did it take you so long?
1: My goal was four kinds of freedoms like financial freedom, geographic freedom, and time, living in your own purpose. So that is my main goal. And it took me very long because as an immigrant, you need to get the green card, all those stuff, right? So legal stuff, that is the reason it took more time to leave IT.
2: Got it. And forgive my question. I didn't mean why did it take you so long, like you were dragging your feet. I meant because you're very successful now, and for as long as I've known of you, you have been successful. So that's what prompted me to ask that question. I totally understand. What was your first multifamily passive deal?
1: It is a Class A property. It's a fund model. It's a big operator in multifamily space, and invested as Class A property.
2: What were the returns on that deal?
1: Returns are still in progress. It's overall returns 15 IRR and 2.53 x in 10 years. That is the uh, Okay.
2: Overall. What year did you initiate that investment?
1: 2019.
2: Got it. And when was your first multifamily acquisition?
1: As a GP, is 2022. So it started in 2021, sometime in August, September. So it took five to six months to close the deal.
2: Let's dive into that. How did you find the deal?
1: I find it through the broker relations, so it came through, you know, one of the top brokers in this area.
2: Okay. So, Rama, there's a bunch of multifamily investors out there. There's a lot of people that have established track records. How did you convince this broker to bring you this deal?
1: So, I'm working with this broker group, at least a couple of years, and I'm talking with them, and I'm underwriting a lot of deals from their brokers, and touring the property, and submitting LOIs multiple times and uh, that. So consistently I'm doing, I'm reaching out this broker and touring the properties and uh, submitting a voice. And uh, I went, you know, multiple deals as a best and final. Then that's how, you know, they saw like, you know, something in me and my hard work or you know, persistence. That's how I win the deal. They, they thought uh, I will close the deal, you know, with my, you no know, network or credibility.
2: Well, you went best and final a number of times. Why didn't those deals close?
1: So mainly terms, yeah, I can say EMD, something like
2: that. Better earnest money or better terms. When you say better terms, do they have a stronger balance sheet? Do they bring more money to the table? What does that mean, better terms?
1: I think so. EMD, mainly I think EMD, non-refundable EMD on day one. So that is the main reason,
2: yes. Yeah, so that's interesting. I'm from the commercial world, the non-residential commercial. We never do non-refundable earnest money upfront. I would imagine on the deals that you're looking at, all of the due diligence material is provided neatly up front. Is that the case? Yes. And that gives you the confidence of putting non-refundable earnest money. So in your experience, just having higher earnest money that's non-refundable wins the deal.
1: Correct. So what, that, what, that was the case with last year.
2: That's good to know. What kind of earnest money did you put down? And do you know what amount of earnest money beat you?
1: Normally, I will put, you know, one percentage of the, you know, purchase price. So other investors, they will put, no two percentage, you know. Non,
2: uh, non, you know In hindsight, should you have put 2%? Yes.
1: I don't put non-refundable. So now I'll go with, you no know, EMD, only EMD, non-refundable.
2: And for our curiosity, is it truly non-refundable? Are there any clauses that allow you to get your earnest money back?
1: No, there's no other clauses. Maybe a couple of like, no environmental issues or something like that.
2: Okay, so the roof. Let's take that for example. Seller says, "Hey, the roof is great." You find out it needs fifty thousand in repairs. That does not allow you to take your earnest money back.
1: You know, it depends on this in a contract. I can say. Okay. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Well, let's dive into the numbers on the first deal that you closed on. What was the purchase price?
1: Purchase price, 5.125 million. 5.125. Okay. One hundred twenty-five thousand.
2: Yeah. Okay. Forgive me. I want to go back to the broker for a second. How did you stay in the broker's good graces because you weren't winning all these deals? Why do they keep bringing them to you?
1: Because I'm persistently in the properties or, you know, or calling brokers consistently and also underwriting payers and those kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. And I think that's a great lesson. You showed up all the time. Yeah. You didn't just give verbal offers. You went all in, you showed up on the property, you anticipated closing. And then when the broker informed you that you weren't getting the deal, what was the communication like at that point?
1: Openly communicated, you know, we are working with a couple of other, the bro- other parties also because their terms are better yours. That is the reason we are going with other operators, other groups, you know?
2: And do they feel bad for you?
1: No, not really, but- It's all you know, business, huh? So, yeah, it's all business, right? Okay.
2: And I would imagine you explain to the brokers, hey, look, you're still looking for a deal. Keep me in mind for the next one. Yes. Okay. And another question on that, is do you use the listing broker or do you come with your own broker?
1: I always go with a listing broker, commercial space, yeah.
2: Yep, and why is that for the best ever listeners?
1: I mean, the main reason is if we bring our buying side brokers, they need to split the commission they will get. So, so instead of that, you know, I will go with a listing broker so that they will get full commission and they will share the know pocket listings also in the future.
2: Right, so the broker wants the 6% versus the 3%. Correct. Okay so 5.125 million what was the due diligence period how long was that
1: it's 30 days due diligence period and 30 days on financial
2: and then 30 days to close thereafter
1: yeah correct, correct yeah
2: okay and there is no earnest money hard on day 1 for this deal
1: correct
2: you were competing with others i would imagine yes okay do you remember the cap rate on this
1: cap rate around 5
2: okay cash on cash return
1: Cash on cash, 7% prep. Okay.
2: So your investors get a 7% prep. Cut. What was the total cash on cash return on the deal?
1: Total cash on cash,
2: 7.3. 7.3? Yeah. Okay. How much money did you raise for this?
1: We raised as a group around 1.8 to 2, 2
2: Okay. So roughly more than a yeah. third. Yeah. Was there a lot of CapEx involved in this deal?
1: So, yes, so there is a CapEx, but we went with a bridge loan, so we got it from the lender.
2: Okay. So, 1.8, what percentage of that is that of the down payment? Roughly five.
1: 35%? Yeah, I think we got 72 LTV. So, okay. have, I mean, around 28 plus closing costs, all the stuff.
2: right? Got it. Class B, C apartments? Class C. Class C. Yeah. And tell me about the area. Where is this?
1: It's in Salisbury, it's under Charlotte MSA, it's like 30 miles uh, uh, east of Charlotte.
2: Salisbury State University is there, right? College town. Okay. Yes. yes. How many units, Rama?
1: It's 64 units, 80K per door.
2: 80,000 per door. Okay. And what attracted you to this deal?
1: Location, I-85 corridor from Raleigh to Atlanta is growth area, so that is one of the main reasons. So. And other thing is value of deal and also getting deal under case, very, very challenging. I mean, last year, so we got good deal in that location.
2: You spent a number of years before you got your first deal. Was it not disheartening to keep losing, to keep missing out on deals?
1: Yes, that factor is there, but I want to get success in this area. I'm not quitter, and also I want to keep trying, keep trying, you know, different ways. Yeah,
2: yeah, I love that. The persistence paid off. Yes. What's the capex budget for this property?
1: Capex, we we project around five thirty k.
2: Okay, and current rents are.
1: We are getting around average nine fifty to nine ninety.
2: And market rents once renovated.
1: Initial rents were seven fifty, I think. So now we are achieving nine forty. Around 1,000 is market range, I can say.
2: Okay. Your bridge loan. Can you give me the details on that, please?
1: We, we got around seventy-two LTV and also 100% CAPEX. So interest rate, around 4.17. And we purchased CAP rate and it spread is 2.75.
0: Arod, rod yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence, and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to mfincon.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit mfincon.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's mfincon.com. Everyone is looking for a recession resilient investment. How can you try to prevent from losing money by picking the wrong fund and sponsor? Right. Right now, you can get Reliant Real Estate Management's free guide, 10 Things to Consider in a Real Estate Investment Fund by visiting besteverreliant.com. Answer questions like, is the organization's focus on you? And does the fund keep employees? Reliant Real Estate Management is ranked one of the top 20 largest self-storage operators in the country with $1 billion in self-storage assets. After completing three funds, and selling 38 properties with $0 of investor principal loss. They have an average project level IRR of 33% in just over 3.5 years. Visit besteverreliant.com right now to receive the 10 things to consider in a real estate investment fund and get access to the latest investment opportunities. That's besteverreliant.com, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R, R-E-L-I-A-N-T dot com.
2: So when you purchased this property, interest rates were still low and they had not yet begun to rise. Yes. In yes. your pro forma, what was your exit cap rate?
1: So exit cap rate 5.5. 5.3, 5, 5. I can say. So we purchased five. So we until we thought of exit at three years. So we projected 5.3 exit.
2: Okay. And currently, what are interest rates for multifamily loans?
1: A multifamily loans around 7%, I can say. Okay, some, six, six to seven
2: range. And we're in December of 2022 when this airs. Interview was 1130, 2022. So 7% interest rates. And the Fed is going to meet again in a couple weeks, indicated a 50 basis point increase. So rates will potentially go to 7.5, maybe higher. How does that affect your exit cap rate of 5.3 in your pro forma? Do you think you'll achieve that?
1: No, I think. So definitely it will go higher. If we sell now, we need to sell with higher cap rate. Yeah, definitely higher cap rate.
2: What cap rate would you sell at today?
1: Maybe around six, I can say.
2: Okay. So are you still seeing cap rates at five for purchases or have they gone up to six?
1: But still, we can see, you know, at five percentage, you know. It depends on, again, locations. So like Valley okay. and Charlotte, maybe five still is a good cap rate. But location like Salisbury, maybe it's, it's not good, yeah.
2: And 7% PREF, is there a split thereafter?
1: Yes, 7% PREF and 15 IRR. Once we hit 15% IRR, then it's split.
2: Is it a 50-50 split up after, until 15%?
1: Yes, after 50% IRR, it's 50
2: Okay, what is it from 7% to 15%, what is the split? Is it 70-30? Yes, 70-30. 70 to the LPs.
1: Yes, 72 LPs, 32 GPs. Yes.
2: Okay, and then essentially you have a waterfall after they hit 15% IRR, it's a 50-50 split. Should be a win-win for everybody. What is your exit price do you anticipate with the increased cap rate?
1: Purchase price, we, we are projecting around 105 to 110 per door. It may go up, you know, 120K per door.
2: Okay, so you're going to be at roughly $7 million? Yes. Okay. okay. Awesome. What are you doing to find your next deal?
1: Keeping working with, you know, brokers and, you know, keep underwriting a lot of deals, submitting LOIs and working with the different operators and those kind of stuff, building the team and building relationships.
2: Rama, the 64 unit, was that the first time you ever raised capital? Yes. How did you go about doing
1: that? It's like, you know, um, mainly I went with, you know, inner circle. So my inner circle. So it's challenging first time, always. So I'm able to raise some capital for that
2: deal. Listen, let's dive into logistics. What yeah. did you do? Did so, you send out emails? Did you call people?
1: So yeah. I reached out, you know, my friend, friend, colleague. So okay. like I use mail and newsletters also. I publish in my newsletters also.
2: Okay. Awesome. Let's talk about that. Who does that newsletter go to?
1: It will go to all my subscribers through you know, podcasts or through you no know, other conferences. So mainly like appian and Past pass, I can say.
2: The answer is it goes to everybody, right? Yeah. Absolutely everybody. If there's a business card that you come across, they're getting a newsletter. Yes. Good. What's in your newsletter?
1: So mainly I will share about my podcast and weekly blogs and some kind of important information related to multifamily space. So what's going on in multifamily space, like multifamily trends, data, something like that. Right. Is- opportunities. Yeah.
2: Is that newsletter all business or do you include stuff about you your personal life your family?
1: No, I don't include my personal side.
2: No, why not?
1: I didn't thought about that but maybe I need to think about and need to include personal side also. Yeah, that's a good question.
2: Yeah, my advice is for anybody best ever listeners if you haven't done a newsletter you've heard me talk about this it's so important even if you don't raise capital today but you anticipate at some point in the future, wanting partners, wanting to raise capital, wanting people to bring you deals. I think it's important to put that newsletter out there. And if you've never done one, start out with a personal newsletter. Don't just send out, hey, here's my real estate stuff. Here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm asking for. Start out soft. All your friends and family that may or may not know that you're in real estate, they want to know what's going on with you. And you'll be amazed at the response that you get. So initially you send out a newsletter saying, Hey guys, what's up? Want to reconnect with everybody. It's been a lot of years and I think you'll be amazed. Everyone that I've asked to start a newsletter, I tell them the next several days after you send this out, clear your schedule. Cause you get a lot of calls, a lot of emails back from people just truly grateful that you reconnected and they want to know genuinely What you're up to. So, I think having that personal touch in your newsletter allows people to get to know you a little bit more. They get to connect with you and know, like, and trust you. Yeah. I'm a huge advocate of sharing you, even on social media. Best ever listeners, don't make it all business. People want to know who's behind the curtain. So, Rama, I encourage you. People follow you. You're certainly a public figure in commercial real estate. So, I want to know more about what's going on with you, not just business. Yeah. I think people are genuinely curious because all we know is that voice behind the microphone on your podcast. So yeah. put yourself out there. Don't be afraid. Sure. So the whole raise on this $1.8 million was a raise. Did you do that yourself or did you have help?
1: I got the help. So we leveraged with experienced operators. We brought in KP and there is the capital for that day.
2: Okay. So you had key partners. Yes. Yeah. How much did you bring in and how much did you have others bring in?
1: There is 5 to 10 percentage. So there is remaining stuff. Yeah.
2: And is it typical you allotted 30% of the GP for capital raising? Yes. Okay. And going forward, is this group part of your team or is it deal by deal?
1: It's a deal by deal at this point.
2: Okay. So you're the principal and you're putting together the resources and the deals to make this all come together, have you considered taking on partners?
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm working for that. I'm keep looking for partners. So,
2: yeah. What is it that you're looking for in a partner?
1: At this point, I'm strong at you know sourcing and underwriting deals, acquisition side strong, and also asset management. I'm looking for someone who can leverage other skills like capital raising or keep that side.
2: Awesome. So you know your strengths. You know what you enjoy, yeah. and you're going to supplement that with things that maybe you don't want to do or you're not the best at
1: at this point. Yes.
2: That's a great recipe. And Rama from your podcast, what are some of the most important things that you've learned?
1: The main thing is networking and connectivity with, you know, operators in the space. And also, you know, consistency is very, very important and focusing on one area. So that is a key thing. Yeah. That's what what I mean. does that
2: mean? Focusing on one area is a geographic area.
1: Yeah, focusing on one goal like you know, sticking to multifamily, not uh, focusing on multiple shiny objects like your self-storage, mobile home space—all this—the kind of stuff. Stuff that focusing on.
2: Okay, uh, you're smiling because you probably know where I'm going next. I'm a commercial real estate investor, non-residential. So I do non-residential assets. With multifamily cap rates being so compressed, why not pivot into other asset classes?
1: So definitely, I'm open with the right kind of partners. So that is very, very key. Right partners, is I'm open.
2: Got it. And what's next for you?
1: So I am um, keep looking for deals in multifamily space and also focusing on a virtual conference, my next one. So second virtual conference and also focusing on multifamily space, adding as much value as possible in multifamily space.
2: Rama, with all of your years of experience in IT and real estate, syndicating, What's your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: Stick to one thing and keep working hard and persistent. Those things I can definitely. Yeah. And identifying unique ability, identifying your unique ability and focusing on that and then leverage you know, other skills.
2: What is your criteria for finding future deals knowing we're in a rising rate environment?
1: So after 1980 vintage, B-class properties and C-plus properties, B and A locations and 100-plus units is better, but uh, I'm okay with an 80-plus units in Raleigh, Charlotte, Greensboro, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, these markets.
2: Rama, is there a particular minimum cash on cash or cap rate you're looking for?
1: So definitely cash on cash, like 6% cash on cash, 15% IRR on 18 to 20% AR. These are my main criteria.
2: And I want to go back. So the 7.3% cash on cash return, yeah. and you're giving a 7% prep. Yeah. The margins are very thin up until you sell, right? So how are you getting paid on this deal? What kind of fee structure do you have? Because there's not that much margin in this deal.
1: Yes. So we have like three percentage acquisition uh, fee and you know two percentage asset management fees and that is participate.
2: And are those fees collected up front or on the back end?
1: Asset management at back end, even like uh, there is a catch up when we sell the property, that's when we will make money.
2: And the acquisition fee is collected up front? Yes. Got it. Awesome. Rama, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. All right, Rama, what's the best ever book you recently read?
1: Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. What was your big takeaway from that? Thinking from others' point of view also, empathy.
2: Rama, what's the best ever way you like to give back?
1: So, I do run podcasts like Best Ever, Multifamily AP 360. So, that is one way and also I'm organizing virtual conference, Multifamily AP 360. Those are two ways I know I'm giving back to the community.
2: And Rama... Leading into that, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you?
1: They can reach out to me through Usha Capital, ushacapital.com slash podcast. That's how they can reach out to me. And also, INFO at ushacapital.com. Now that I'm organizing conference, so for best ever listeners, I will give like no 15% discount like ap If they use AP15 code, they can get a discount they can go to multifamilyap360.com.
2: Very nice. And the code again for the best ever listeners was? AP15A,
1: active, passive 15.
2: Got it. Rama, thank you for your time today. Sharing your story with us, coming to the US in 2007, 15 year IT career, you were hyper-focused on your goal of being a multifamily syndicator, started out with single families, did passive multifamilies to establish credibility and your persistence paid off. Congratulations on your deal. And thank you again for sharing your time with us.
1: Likewise. Thank you very much, Ash. It's great chatting with you. I'm a huge fan of your work.
2: Thank you. Pleasure is mine. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. Share this episode with someone you think can benefit from it. Also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.